You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesdays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds on Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Face all your fears, drink it at me. There's so many donuts on them back streets. Sit so high in the nosebleeds. Feel like I can fly. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush. And I'm here with my co-host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey in the house. How you doing, my man? Yes, sir. Corey is back. And also, the Nosebleeds are back. And man, NBA Finals is finally here. And like I said, way, 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 way back when uh, the playoffs first started, I said, we are in for a treat. Some crazy stuff is going to happen, but I'll be lying if I told you that I expected uh, the Suns and the uh, Milwaukee Bucks to be going at it. Maybe the Milwaukee Bucks, but uh, the Suns, I just did not expect that. Yeah, no. Everyone thought it'd be, you know, the Lakers or the Clippers or the Nets or the Sixers, one of them. So these two teams being in is little surprising, but I think they're going to give us a good treat. So let's talk about it. Because right now the Suns are leading the series 1-0. They won game one, 118 to 105. Game two is Thursday evening. But both teams are healthy. Giannis said that he feared he'd be out for the season when he went down with that knee injury. But he only ended up missing two games. And he looked pretty good in game one, too. So I guess the main injury in this series is Dario Saric, who ended up tearing his ACL game one. Not a major loss for the Suns, but he did play a good amount of role minutes when Aiton went to the bench in the playoffs. So they got Frank Kaminsky uh, off the bench as well, too. So we'll see uh, if that injury plays a role in this series. But let's talk about game one a little bit. Bucks, first of all, this is their first final since 1974. The last time they won was 1971. So it's been a long time coming for them. And the Suns are no different either. First final since 1993. So also another long time coming for them. And the only player with finals experience in this entire series is Jay Crowder. So (laughs) a lot of new people in this series. But in game one, CP3 looked like he's been here before. He had 32 points. Booker had 27. DeAndre Ayton had 22 points, 19 rebounds. And on the Bucks side of things, Middleton had 29 points. Giannis had 20 points and 17 rebounds. And Drew Holiday with 10.7 rebounds and 9 assists. So what were some of your takeaways from game one? Uh, I think the biggest takeaway was um, Milwaukee's inability to handle that pick and roll. Like the deadly pick and roll that we've been seeing throughout these entire playoffs that the Suns love to do whether it's book, whether it's CP3 with the ball in their hands, they're going high pick and roll with Aiden or whoever they feel like they have a comfortable matchup that they can exploit. And that's Brooke Lopez in this one, because Brooke Lopez is getting exploited like crazy whenever he switched out and caught in a one V one against either, like I said, Booker or CP3. And that's just barbecue chicken as Shaquille O'Neal would say. So, I mean, like, the the Bucks kind of have to figure out a way to cause more pressure on those pick and rolls and those screens. And the guy who's getting screened can't just allow himself to get taken out of the play. He has to either like try to fight over or he has to be able to 
you know, do like a quick show switch with Lopez and then get right back to his man, because it's going to be, I think that comes down to who's going to win this series is whether or not the guard duo of the, of the sun, excuse me, between Booker and CP3, can they continue to do what they've been doing, which is dominate. They've been the best guard duo, best tandem throughout the entire playoffs uh, as far as healthy wise. And when you look at the fact that Milwaukee, yes, they have Middleton. Yes. They have Antetokounmpo. They're going to need Drew Holiday to ball out. And he definitely did not do that in game one. If Drew Holiday has a better game, be honest, I'm not expecting him to only put up 20 points uh, throughout this series. I think that he's going to step up his game. If you can get Lopez, you know, making those uh, rim runs like he was doing throughout the entire course of the game, that was causing a lot of havoc and a lot of issues for the Suns. And I think just going inside, outside, and not so heavily getting caught up in the three ball. I know Milwaukee can shoot threes, but sometimes they get so caught up and swept up in shooting the three ball that they don't necessarily even need to because they have the advantage. I feel like they could exploit it inside and be able to get easy buckets that way. Defense is going to generate momentum. And obviously, I think the biggest thing is they can't allow the Suns to go on these runs where it feels like they put up, you know, 10, 15 point leads on you and then try to battle back into the game because it's always going to be a mountain to climb. And we always know like uh, it's going to be difficult if Milwaukee's not able to necessarily uh, take care of business, because even though they could go down 2-0, I wouldn't say the series is over. I know a lot of people will probably disagree with me, but we saw them go down against the Brooklyn Nets and that series turned on his head. You know, obviously injuries played a key role in that, but at the same time, you know, when they won, when they were down against Brooklyn, everybody was saying this was about to be a sweep or this was at least about to be a 3-1. Like, it was about to be a done deal. But I just wouldn't count Milwaukee out yet. I did say that whoever won between the Nets and uh, the Bucks was going to win this series. And I think that comes all down to the health of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I know he says he's healthy and good to go, but there were some spells where he was kind of laboring a little bit and he was kind of hobbling. So I think he just needs to be focused, keep right, and I think that Milwaukee will follow their leader as long as he's able to go and as long as he's able to play to his full capabilities, then the Bucks have a chance. Yeah, I think that uh, guard duo of CP3 and Booker is definitely going to be tough to guard for anybody in this league. Um, but I think when it comes to the role players, it just looked like the Bucks role players were nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. Connington, Forbes, Bobby Portis, none of those guys helped out the Bucks when the main guys went to the bench. And you could see it on the Sun side of things that when the Bucks kind of cut that lead to seven points after being down 20 points in that fourth quarter, campaign was out there and uh, Chris Paul obviously was doing his thing, but campaign was a key contributor to try to uh, widen that margin. So, I mean, it, as, as much as we talk about the big three from each team, it's going to come down to the role players as well, too, to see who can win those bench minutes. Um, but, I mean, from just a game standpoint, I think turnovers and free throws were the key differences in this game. The Bucks had five more turnovers, and the Suns had 26 free throws in this game, which they shot 96%, and the Bucks had 16 free throws, which they saw, shot 56%. So that right there, that's about... 10 15 points left on the court right there so i think free throws and given i think that the bucks didn't get the the nice end of things from the referees i felt like they were getting hacked a lot and uh they weren't getting the calls whereas the suns were 
But I mean, that's how the game goes. We don't know. It could be flip flop game two, game three. Don't know how it's going to be. But I think game one, that was a big difference for the team. And that's why the Bucks really couldn't come back. They came back from seven points and then CP3 just did CP3 things. It's just point God taking dudes off the dribble and looking like he was New Orleans Clippers, Chris Paul, where it didn't matter how many hamstrings he had or didn't have. He was just out there trying to hoop. Let's talk about the our predictions for this series. I'm kind of in a tough position with this because I won't be mad if either team wins at all. I mean, normally, you know how you have that team that you're rooting for or that other team that you don't like that's in it. So me, obviously, I want the Bucks to win it all because I have money on them since March. Remember, I told you, I don't know. I, yeah, you did. Like, yeah, you I did. said, I said, I don't know what it was about that PJ Tucker sign in or trade, but I will put money down on the bucks. So that's why I, that bet's still alive. But then again, if the Suns win CP three gets a ring and he deserves a ring. So, so bad, even though he knocked out my Clippers. But with that being said, I'm gonna take my fan hat off and I'm put my analyst cap on. Giannis, honestly, last night for coming back from an injury that I thought was so bad, and even he thought was bad, he looked great last night, minus the couple missed free throws that he had. But he didn't put up the crazy points, but he looked aggressive. He actually looked, in my opinion, he was playing better than pre-injured Giannis from a standpoint of he was very aggressive, taking it to the rack, even against a bigger DeAndre Ayton. And he was just looking like the dominant Giannis Antetokounmpo that we know him to be. So... If this yeah, is that, how, chase, that chase down block was crazy. Yeah, that, that chase that down biggest, block. That was the biggest play I thought he had all night. You know, oh. aside from like the dunks and like you know all the rim wraps, like that's what I'm that saying. Like it didn't even was, look like he was injured or he had like a quote unquote major injury. Like he just looked like he was back to good old Giannis. But honestly, if if this is how he's gonna play, it's up to the rest of the guys on the Bucks because I'm not worried about Giannis per se. Um, because just off of game one, I know he can get his own, but I, he was a little reluctant just because he didn't want to go a hundred percent on, uh, in the game, but I, I, he's gonna, he's gonna need a lot of help from those guys like Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, like you mentioned. Um, but my biggest knock against the Bucks and why I would pick against them is because their head coach, I think coach Bootenholzer is up there with doc rivers as an overrated coach who can't make adjustments on the fly he just kind of plays through his star players and hopes everything falls into place so i think game one was more of a feeling out game for the bucks and they're gonna bounce back but i think this team needs pj tucker and drew holiday to be on cb3 and booker that's how they're gonna have to make it go and let Giannis and middleton handle the offensive load this entire series if it goes that way, I have the Bucks in seven. Yeah, um, I'm taking the Bucks as well, just to stick with uh, my pick. Uh, originally, was saying like whoever won between the Nets and the Bucks was going to win it all. I think personally, when you look at the two teams, Giannis is probably for a lot of people you would say the marquee player, the the the, the biggest star name. In this series, you could probably say you could probably argue maybe like with CP3 or Devin Booker, either way, it could go, you know, coin flip there. But while Giannis is, I think, like a, a star, I think that the Suns honestly have more depth and they have more uh, guys that they can maybe even give him different looks with. And I think also when you think about the fact that you got Mikel Bridges, um, you also Blue's got favorite, yeah, you also, you also got uh, uh, Tory Craig, who 
by the way, regardless of what happens, this series is going to get a ring because he started the season out with the Milwaukee Bucks and then ultimately landed up on the Sun. So, child, is Tory it, Craig about to get a ring. Up to, isn't that up to the Bucks, though, if they want to give him a ring or not? Because I think, remember, they had that whole thing where the Raptors never gave Jonas Valanciunas his ring. <laughs> hey, so I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't really know. know how it works. But I just I know that, like, it's a, it's Anderson Verger one year, like, he was started off with the Cavs and then he ended up on the, the Warriors and he ended up getting a, a ring regardless. So I don't know. I don't know how that works. Well, that's like what I'm saying, said. because the whole Valanciunas thing, it kind of makes me scratch my head. Like, does is it up to we'll the see. We'll discretion? See. We'll see. I, maybe it is, but we'll see. Ultimately, I think that, like I said, the Suns have a lot more depth. Um, another thing also, I think it's also going to come down to, do, after going toe-to-toe with the likes of, the Nets, which I feel like that was a hell of a series that really took, you know, a whole lot of out of Milwaukee just to get over. And that was just second round. And then, you know, you got a little bit of a scare from Atlanta. And now you coming into this series against a red hot Suns team that, you know, have just been firing on all cylinders. Uh, It's going to be tough to match that energy because, like I said, they had to go to the depths to be able to get across the line just to be able to to beat the Brooklyn Nets and I think it's going to be really really tough and it's going to take another like all hands on deck you know sort of performance similar to the way that they did against Brooklyn if they want to win this series and I think ultimately they get it done I think the series is only going to 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 tell time on whether or not Milwaukee is about that when this series shifts over to Milwaukee, regardless if it's 2-0 or it's 1-1, I think once we shift over to Milwaukee, we'll really see what the Bucks are made of because at home, we already know they're a different team when they play at home and they always seem to get it going when they play in front of their home fans. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to ultimately come down to can they get a game in Phoenix? And if they're not able to get a game in Phoenix, obviously they're going to lose this series. Yeah, of course. And Phoenix is a tough place to play. And I don't know if you saw that one play where Devin Booker, he shot it, he missed it, but a foul was called and he continued on and like made a dunk or something and then started yelling in Bryn Forbes face or something. Mm-hmm. But the play was dead. But that just goes to show how loud the the arena is because 10 feet away from the whistle, you can't even hear that shit. So it's definitely a tough place to play in Phoenix. But let's talk about the Eastern Conference Finals because we touched on the Western Conference Finals last episode and talked about the Clippers. So let's talk about the Hawks because the Bucks won 4-2, obviously. That's why they're in the NBA Finals. But the Hawks, man, this season, they exceeded all expectations and then some. Like, I, I words can't even put, like, can't even explain how great this Hawks team was. But I knew they were going to be good this season, <laughs> and I called it. But damn, I just... <laughs> I don't know, man. This this Ox team is crazy. But then again, they had like a whole coaching change and everything. So I think they the the Hawks have done an amazing, amazing job of getting making Trey Young. He's a young superstar, and the the front office has done an amazing job to surround him with the right pieces and good coaching staff. Um, but what what's next for the Hawks this offseason? Because so far they re-signed Nate McMillan, which I think was a big thing on their agenda. They uh, signed him to a four-year deal to remain the Hawks head coach. And when the Hawks uh, signed him, the Hawks went 27-11 and under them and won their division for the first time since 2015. They have a couple key pending free agents in John Collins, who is a restricted free agent, Lou Williams, Chris Dunn, who has a player option, and then Tony Snell. 
Um, and then they have a lot of young pieces that if they want to possibly trade for a star, they got Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Werder, Chris Dunphy option, Oneko Kongwu, and then John Collins for a side and trade. But what do you think? Do you think that – well, how, how do you think their offseason is going to look? Well, just looking at it, what the roster is right now, the team that just bowed out and lost to the, the Bucks. Uh, like you said, kudos to them. They had a hell of a season because, honestly, like you said, Kush, like nobody really expected the Atlanta Hawks to be in the position that they were in, challenging against the Milwaukee Bucks with two games away from going to the NBA Finals, which I think would have been insane to have had the Hawks challenging for the NBA Finals. But it could have happened. It could have very well happened. But looking at their current team now, I think that – um Probably they're going to try to see if they can uh, go after uh, John Collins and probably lock him up. And then after that, I think it's kind of a matter of making sure that they keep this, they keep their core together. But it's like you said, I think they're one star away really from challenging because I think this was realistically, this was just like a very surprising year out of them on paper. That's what it looks like to me. It just looks like they just got hot at the right time. They were playing their best basketball under Nate McMillan, and they were one of the hottest teams going into the postseason. And then after they got their first series win against the Knicks, it kind of just were like, you know, playing with zero expectations because no one expected them to beat the 76ers. And once they did that, I think that's when everybody kind of was like, whoa, wait a minute, they could maybe actually do this. So um, I think they're just one piece away because if they could get a, a potential star or somebody who's like a, a, a budding star in the NBA or whether it's like, you know, packaging up to, to, to get somebody who is an all-star caliber level player, that could mean, that could be the difference from, you know, bowing out second round or going from making it to the Eastern conference finals one year to having a chance at getting to the finals realistically the next year. So I think it all comes down to what the front office wants to do. I Like I said, I, I like the fact that they brought back Nate McMillan and they rewarded him for his success and what he was able to get out of them. But it's going to come down to can they continue this momentum? Because like I said, momentum, when you have it, it's everything. You feel like you're on cloud nine. You feel like you can just do anything. It's like a drug. It's like adrenaline. You just can't be stopped. And so it's going to be key to see next season and the season after that whether or not the Hawks are still going to be making the playoffs and not, you know, as a seven or eight, but more so as a legitimate uh, team, as far as like, maybe try to challenge for like a three seed, maybe try to challenge for a two seed, you know, like, and I think they're just one piece legitimately, like another all-star to pair up with Trey Young. That would be something that you could really look at and be like, yo, the Hawks are going to be another team that in the East is going to cause a lot of chaos and is going to make this Eastern conference upside down again. Yeah. Well, hopefully they don't have a Miami Heat where they just have a bad hangover. They go to the finals, have struggle like crazy in the regular season, end up making the playoffs, but get swept by the Bucks. So, I mean, that was tough to see the Heat, but but we'll see how the Hawks do next season. But I think, like you said, either they trade for a star or I think they're running back with a more experienced Hawk te- Hawks team. I think this team is so well-constructed to surround Trey Young. But the biggest, biggest thing this team lacks is perimeter defense. Mm. They got Chris Dunn. He was injured damn near all season. DeAndre Hunter is probably their best defender. He was injured all season, just went down, had a meniscus surgery, and they said he'll be back by training camp. But this team really lacked 
perimeter defenders. And I think with DeAndre Hunter having two knee procedures and he has great potential, he was a number four pick in the draft and he's 23 years old. So maybe while he still has trade value, they could possibly look to trade him. We'll see. But I think some ways or some players that they could go after this series or this season, um, if they clear up the cap space, is guys like Victor Oladipo. But the biggest thing is his health or a Danny Green, Kelly Oubre, Avery Bradley, Nick Batum, Tory Craig, just to name a few guys who guys who can really, you know, possibly guard their primary ball handler and stretch the floor at the same time too or they could possibly trade for guys like Marcus Smart, Patrick Beverly, Eric Bledsoe, you know, those type of guys because like I said, the Hawks have a lot a lot of uh value with Cam Reddish, young guy, DeAndre Hunter, young guy, Kevin Horder, young guy. Chris Dunn is still I think only like 26. Onyeka Okongwu, John Collins sign and trade. So, we'll we'll see but Biggest thing I kind of cooked this up was I would love to love to see the Hawks go out and trade for Pascal Siakam. Maybe oh, a midseason yeah. trade. If the Raptors are bad next season, they're trying to sell and the Hawks need a guy who can do it all basically for them. And they could maybe build up a trade package of Siakam and Kim Birch if he resigns for Gallinari and Clint Capella. And that way you can kind of ease in Onyeka Okongwu because we saw, we've seen flashes from Okongwu that I don't think he's fully ready yet, but I think if you give him half the season and around the trade yeah. deadline, you could try to I trade. Feel like, I feel like he has just as much as good value as, uh capella like he can do similar things absolutely it's just that capella is a little bit more seasoned you know what i mean like right. he's got a little bit more experience well and, that's why Okongu's you know, only 20 years old so. exactly and it, and when you look at when capella first entered the league you know he was a project in itself like he's no he was nowhere near the player he is right now so i mean i was saying yaka okongu leaps of bounds way ahead of where capella first was when he was like starting to gain some prominence in the league so i think if he starts to grow his development then like you said maybe you like pair up you got because like i said if you pair up another guy who's like a two-way type player to relieve trey young from you know having to be so heavily relied on for all the scoring and you kind of have another guy almost similar to the Milwaukee situation with Middleton and uh, Giannis. You have another guy there that's able to take some of the pressure off offensively that will go leaps and bounds like to show that the, uh, that the, the Hawks rather are in a position to where they could be a legitimate threat in the East. And it just, all it takes is one move like that. All of a sudden, boom, all of a sudden the, the entire conference has to put you on notice. And again, it's not to say that they would be the favorites. Obviously, Brooklyn would still be the favorites to me, but that they would be a team that you can't just, you know, not by the eye at. You kind of have to pay attention to them if they were able to get Pascal Siakam. And also, that's a possibility because there were rumors that Toronto was thinking about maybe moving off of him. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. During the so. trade deadline, so... It's also, they, but I, I can only see this happening if the Raptors are in the same situation that they were this past year where they were bad and they were kind of just trying to sell and yeah, it depends on who they get in this year's draft i yeah. think and if they go after like a small forward type player if they are able to get somebody like that and they you know see the value and he starts to blossom into mm-hmm. somebody that they can see maybe uh investing in long term maybe they do start to move off siakam because he kind of he kind of had that that's that i don't want to even say it but, but like he kind of had that you know that that blossoming season under uh, playing with Kawhi Leonard. And then after Kawhi left, it's kind of like all focus was kind of like on him and expectations got higher and he didn't really live up to the expectations of being a quote unquote, number one, you know, franchise guy. So 
I don't know if Toronto necessarily is trying to just move off of him right away, but I think if you give them that tempting option, you know, maybe throw in a first round pick in there. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's you what know. I was also saying with like, with, with the, the Hawks also getting back Kim Birch, because if Okungwu isn't ready whatsoever, you still have Kim Birch and we saw what he did with the Raptors and how much he kind of helped them in a way, even though they were already at kind of tanking at that point. But so it's possible. And then Gallinari, you get off his books, a guy who's 32 years old. And then Capella still has great, great trade value being only 27 years old as well. But yeah. And the Raptors are in this weird phase where they're not necessarily a terrible team. Cause they have a lot of budding potential with Van Fleet and OG and also Siakam. But at the same time, they're in that weird stage of the Eastern conference where they're like the magic almost where they don't know what they're necessarily trying to be yet. Like, you want to be good, obviously. They want to get back to being in playoff contention and challenging for a title again, but they just don't have the piece, that main guy, that main star, like they did with Kawhi, again, to be able to go ahead and do that. And I think once they figure that out, whether it be from the draft or whether it be from a trade, then they'll be right back in the mix as well. So the East is definitely a conference that everybody sleeps on says it's crap, but it's rare. It's a lot of interesting things happening in the Eastern conference. I, I think, think a lot of people just say that because it's very top heavy. That's right. why. Whereas right, right, the right. Western conference, you got the Lakers finishing as a seven seed. So it's, it, it's a little tough, but either way, I think the Hawks are in a great position entering this off season. But in order to become a true contender, I think they need more versatile defenders like DeAndre Hunter, or they need another budding star to help uh, Trey Young. All right, let's move on. We have not talked about Major League Baseball in an absolute minute, probably since I think opening week. But that's just because NBA has been going crazy right now. But I think it's right. We talk about all-star break for the MLB is coming up next week um so let's start off with honestly probably the one of the most interesting and fun competitions and that is the home run derby the contestants have been announced we got Shohei Otani Trey Mancini Salvador Perez Matt Olson Pete Alonzo Trevor Story Juan Soto and Joey Gallo in the home run derby Corey looking at this who you got who you got winning the home run derby I would say if I had to look at the two guys who I would tip to be the favorites, I would go Pete Alonzo and Joey Gallo, to be honest with you. Uh, And I would probably lean more towards Joey Gallo just because he's used to playing in more of a, I guess you could say a hitter's ballpark and they're going to be playing in Colorado. So they're going to have the Coors effect for sure. <laughs> He's so going to go I think, ham, I think. This is going to be one of the more fun derbies just because it's in Colorado. You look at this lineup of all the contestants, very powerful dudes uh, going to be hitting. So I think some records could possibly be broken in the home possibly. run derby. Um but I think I think Otani is going to be the favorite for obvious reasons. Oh yeah, and I'm going to be rooting for my guy Otani-san all the way. But I'm right there with you. I think Joey Gallo's going to win it this year, which is crazy because I didn't think you were going to pick Joey Gallo. But... I don't think you're going to pick Joey Gallo either. It's just I know like when it comes to like this sort of competition, it definitely fits both Pete Alonso and Joey Gallo. And I think you know. Guys Somebody who strike out a lot, but strike this, out, but yeah. like yo, you know, when you they make the ball, contact, it's going, it's going deep and it's going yard. Yeah. So, and I feel like Joey Gallo also, you know, he's been in this competition before in years past. So, you know, he's got, he's I think, got that under his belt too. I do think Otani will have the farthest home run hit, either him or Joey Gallo. But I think both of those guys will hit 500 plus foot home runs in the Derby, which is kind of insane. But yeah, 
Yeah. So damn, we got both. We both got Joey Gallo. So let's see. But I am rooting for Otani. Just know that. Let's talk about the all-star game. The starters and the reserves have been announced. Let's start off with the National League. At catcher, we have Buster Posey starting JT Ryomuto off the bench. First base, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncy coming off the bench. Uh, second base, Adam Frazier. And then you have Ozzy Albies and Drake Cronenworth. And then third base, you have Nolan Arenado, Chris Bryant, Eduardo Escobar. Shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr., Brandon Crawford, and Trey Turner. In the outfield, you have Ronald Acuna Jr., Nick Castellanos, and Jesse Winker. So the two Reds outfielders getting the nod there. And off the bench, you got Mookie Betts, Brian Reynolds, Kyle Schwarber, who's been absolutely tearing the cover off the ball, Juan Soto, and Chris Taylor. Pitchers, Corbin Burns, Hugh Darvish, Jacob DeGrom, Kevin Gossman, Hermaine Marquez, Trevor Rogers, Zach Wheeler, and Brandon Woodruff. Those are the starters. And then uh, the bullpen is Josh Hader, Craig Kimbrell, Mark Melanson, and Alex Reyes. With the starters and reserves being announced for the National Leagues, any surprises or snubs coming from the National Leagues that you thought maybe should have got the nod over some of these guys? Um, I think the probably one guy that probably a lot of people is going to say maybe deserved a nod was uh, either in the third base position, you got the likes of Justin Turner, or you could go with Manny Machado. And I feel like, you know, either one of those guys is definitely, especially Manny Machado, who's definitely been having a really good year. Um, but also Justin Turner. I mean, surprising. I've, I found this out. Like, I didn't know this, but I thought he would have had more than just one all-star appearance under his career, but the dude's only made one all-star appearance. And for all intents and purposes, Justin Turner has been a hell of a third baseman. When you consider how his career kind of started out and where it's kind of ended up, like the dude has been uh, just a crazy third baseman and a hell of a story. Definitely go check it out if you haven't already. But uh, Manny Machado as well has been balling out for Slam Diego. And I feel like he kind of got a guy snubbed there. And uh, it's definitely going to be wondering why he's not on this list. But another thing that's kind of weird is uh, the Dodgers are one of the best teams in the NL and they have no starters whatsoever. No one for the Dodgers is starting on uh, this uh, NL all-star team, which is kind of just like hmm, something to think about. Yeah, I definitely think Justin Turner could have got the nod over Chris Bryant or Eduardo Escobar, but I think Eduardo Escobar, he's a Diamondbacks representative in the All-Star game. But Chris Bryant, he could have because uh, Chris Bryant started off the season so, so hot. Like He did. He was like contract year and everything. And just this last month, he's been on an absolute slump and that his numbers dropped drastically so that's why i think maybe justin turner could have got the nod over chris bryant um and then like you said no dodgers i think walker bueller definitely could have got the nod or not even walker bueller max scherzer mad max how he didn't get uh, a nod 16th season he's over here has a 2.1 era and i think he has what like a eight and one record or something like that or Mm -hmm. something crazy but yeah, over especially over the likes of Hermaine Marquez. I mean, I guess just because Hermaine <laughs> Hermaine Marquez is on the Rockies, so he's the kind of the host. Yeah, but yeah. Th- to see Max Scherzer and even Walker Buehler not get a nod for the National League was kind of surprising to me. But I mean, if you look at some of these guys and their stats they're putting up in their outings, like pitchers, it's a pitching season this year. A lot of the pitchers are showing up this season. 
Let's move on to the American League. Their catcher is Salvador Perez with Mike Zanino coming off the bench. First baseman got Vladdy Jr., Matt Olson, and Jared Walsh. Second baseman, they have Marcus uh, Simeon and Jose Altuve. Third base, they got Rafael Devers, Jose Ramirez, shortstop Xander Bogarts, Bobichet, and Carlos Correa. Outfield, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Teoscar Hernandez, and then Michael Brantley, Joey Gallo, Adolis Garcia, and Cedric Mullins. And then designated hitter, uh, Shohei Otani, J.D. Martinez, and Nelson Cruz. And then their pitchers, Shane Bieber, Garrett Cole, Nathan Eovaldi, Shohei Otani, Kyle Gibson, Yusei Kukuche, and Lance Lynn, and Carlos Rendon, sorry, Rondon, sorry. And then for their bullpen, they have Matt Barnes, Aroldis Chapman, Liam Hendricks, Ryan Presley, and Gregory Soto. So looking at the American League, any snub surprises? Uh, Probably the Ace fans are going to be feeling like, yo, where's the love? <laughs> Oakland Ace fans are just like, man, dude, we don't ever get no love when it comes to these. Uh, but uh, yeah, they got Matt I, Olson. Yeah, they got Matt Olson, but you know they're starting pitcher. Uh, they could have had uh, Chris uh, Bassett Bassett in there, and he's not. Even there, even so. Shamanai, yeah, Shamanai could have got the nod too. Exactly. Over a guy like Yusei Kikuchi, with by I think Seattle, if that's their only representative in this uh, All Star game. But yeah, I, honestly, looking at the American League, I don't really have any snubs really because I think they did a good job replacing a lot of the guys because if you look at matt uh mike trout he's injured so he's gonna be out uh shane bieber he's injured he's gonna be out and then uh shohei otani he's taking up a dh spot and a pitching spot so they had <laughs> they had the opportunity to add someone else in the pitching which is crazy because joe madden and kevin cash who's going to be the american league uh manager kind of already uh, talked about it and said that Otani is going to be hitting and pitching in the all-star game. So That's it's some crazy stuff that we're seeing from Otani this season. He's putting up insane amount of numbers, leading the league in home runs has a 3.6 ERA this season. And it, it, it's just insane, insane to see. One thing I'll say is I'm not surprised, but how about Carlos Rodon, man? Like Carlos Rodon went from being relevant out of, of the MLB and then, Dude, those the no hitter and is having a hell of a season with the could White have been Sox. a perfect game. It could have been a perfect game. Could have been a perfect game, but unfortunately, it wasn't one. But you know, honestly, Carlos Rodon has really impressed me this season. The way he's pitching the ball, even after the rule uh, have heavily changed in the MLB, he's still just pitching like crazy and lights out for Chicago. And I think he's one of those guys that when I looked at their rotation at the start of the year, I kind of was like, okay, yeah, you know, he might be like a solid four starter, you know, or he might be a solid guy to have in there, you know, on a, on a day where you don't have any of your star pitchers going, but he's definitely just emerged as a hell of a guy to have at your rotation, just a solid guy to be there and be able to, you know, be the backbone of that, of that uh, pitching staff. And I think, you know, if he continues to play like this, you want to talk like postseason play, like the White Sox really have a solid guy right there as long as he's able to stay healthy. Fingers Not even crossed. just him. I think the entire White Sox rotation, because Lance Lynn is playing amazing. Lucas Giolito hasn't been really the Lucas Giolito we know him to be, but right. he's still Lucas Giolito. So, uh, and and right now they're they're leading the AL Central at fifty one and thirty five. So, it, yeah, what we're seeing from the White Sox, and I think I had them. Did you have them in the in the uh, World Series? Uh. 
No, I have I have been missing out. Just uh, I have the Yankees going up against the Dodgers. I have them going all the way to the ALCS, I believe, and yeah. then I have them losing to the Yankees. But man, you know the Yankees talking, talking about the Yankees, yeah. <laughs> the Yankees. Yankees, man, have been slumping this year. I, they're I, they're I starting know. to they're starting to slowly pick it back up. But yeah, yeah they start are. The season, they are. It was bad. It really was, and I feel like when you kind of look at it. The, the thing with them is it's like it feels like they're kind of running out of excuses. And last year, obviously, it was because of injuries that, that they didn't – they weren't able to be the team that everybody kind of predicted that they would. But this year, it just feels like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. Like, Aroldis Chapman isn't playing well. They're not really getting yeah, a whole lot of run stuff. support. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Garrett Cole's getting lit up every now and then, which is something that we didn't expect to happen at the start of the season. So – uh, I think he's yeah, my side young. And I think also what kind of rubs salt in the wound is that they're looking across the way at the other team in New York and the Mets, and the Mets are playing super well, and they're having a hell of a season. Well, not even – yeah, the Mets are leading the NL East, but do you look at the Red Sox? Nobody expected the Red Sox to be the Red Sox, like how they're playing right now, and they have the best record in the league right now. So seeing what Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers are doing, and then their pitching staff with Yovaldi, who got the all-star nod. I mean, they, looking like Yovaldi from 2017, 2018, like the dude's just turning back the clock. Yeah. So, I mean, this team it, that the Red Sox, we got to watch out for them because I think almost all of us had us finishing either third or fourth in yeah. the, mm-hmm. in the American league East. So, It'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, next week, All-Star festivities start, so it's going to be very interesting. And the MLB draft is going to happen, too. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Last thing to wrap it up this episode, we're going to talk about soccer, some football. We got the Euro Championship going on and the Copa America Championship going on. Let's talk about the Euro Championship, and that is Italy versus England. Italy getting out the gauntlet of the left side, and England got getting through Germany and just steering their way. They almost had a scare with Denmark. So, <laughs> uh, that and first of all, shout out to Denmark, no Christian Eriksen, and basically they look like a team to look out for in the future. A lot of young studs on their team, but yeah, Italy versus England. Who do you have? Uh, now, now, now I'll be honest. Like my, I'm caught in between because my head says Italy is going to win this either in a penalty shootout or they're going to win it outright and just get like a, a one nothing win and then just be solid defensively. But my my heart is saying that England is just going to pull it out because of the way that they've been going, man. They've been on a hell of a run, and it's been a long time since England has seen a run like this before. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm getting swept up in all the, the media hype or whatever, but I don't know. I'm going to go out and say that England are going to shock the world. It's going to go down to penalties. And surprise, surprise, England is going to come up and beat Italy and uh and a penalty shootout which you know if history <laughs> speaks for itself uh england's not notoriously known for doing that so uh ultimately uh it's going to be a great game i think i think italy when you look at how defensively solid they are and how strong they are and how you know they're built up of veteran guys who have been playing throughout the course of their careers with this team and you know develop names for themselves and then meanwhile you got the young studs of England on the other side a lot of up and coming names a lot of guys who are 
you know, starting to become stars of their own right. And it's just, I think, going to be a tale of two different philosophies, to be honest with you, and two different styles. And I can't wait to see it because I think that uh, Italy play really good attacking football, but also they know how to defend. They're like one of the best teams <laughs> as far as defensively. And so I think when it comes down to it, uh, both of these teams are going to cancel each other out for the most part. I see it being 1-1, going to extra time, maybe – uh, you know, if anything, both sides get a goal, make it 2-2, and then goes to penalties, and then ultimately England comes out the victors and celebrates in their home stadium. If you're going to England, I'm going to say Forza Italia and Andiamo <laughs> because I'm going to rock with Italy. They have a special spot in my heart. I think England is very, very good, but I don't think – I think it's going to be the toughest back line that England's going to have to go against Absolutely. this entire tournament with uh, Chiellini and Benucci. And then do you want to talk about Donnarumma? Yes, sir. Donnarumma has been looking like the best goalie this entire competition. And to think he's only, what, 22, 23 years old? Yes. So – and he signed with PSG too. So <laughs> PSG, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a different story. PSG is just stacking up over there yes, that – I mean, having Qatar – owners i guess you got all that money <laughs> but yeah I, I think italia is gonna come out england's look england's looking good i was initially had, i was saying hey, me too me too before before the tournament the before the tournament started i said france was gonna win me or too. it was gonna be the winner of germany england i said what mm. that those were gonna be the finals matchup france getting absolutely uh knocked out in finals <laughs> and uh you know, Mbappe, that's, that's a different yeah. story. That was, that was brutal. Yeah. But, um, I mean, the way Italy's been playing, I got to rock with them. I, I, I got to rock with them. So it's going to be fun to watch. And talking about Copa America, we got Brazil versus Argentina. Who you got with this one? Um, It's tough to say, man, because I like both of these teams, to be honest with you. But uh, if, if if history says anything, it says that Brazil are the favorites to win this game. But I don't know, man. I feel like Messi is 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 changing the thing. Is changing up, and I feel like Argentina. Haven't we they, seen they, that they, all the we, time? We been saying that. We saying that a lot. People been saying that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Don't get me wrong, but man, I don't know. I just I just feel like one guy I, who's looked damn good this competition is Diabala. It's very true. It's very true. And I feel like it doesn't, it feels like a different Argentina side because mostly a lot of the guys who have been playing alongside with uh, Messi and throughout this tournament have been fresh guys in this team. So, I mean, it's not like, it's not the same team of historical past as well. So I feel like in that sense, they kind of have, you know, a refreshed squad, but at the same time, Brazil, man, they're so dangerous with but they are going to be missing Gabriel Jesus. He's not going to be there for the final, unfortunately. But I think they still have so many attacking options. So I think I got to go with Brazil, to be honest with you. I got to go with Brazil taking this one. And I think it's going to be a close one. I think it goes 2-1. But, uh, yeah, I got Brazil winning the Copa. Brazil. Na, 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 na. <laughs> now, like the Vango boy said, I'm going to go with Brazil. Well, first of all, Brazil is my team. I love watching them. Uh, I, I gotta go with them. I mean, it's kind of crazy that Firmino isn't even starting. They got Richarlson starting as striker, but Richarlson, like I think I said, he's, he's one of the most a, a plethora of riches. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I think Richarlson's one of the most underrated players in the entire world. Um, he's still on Everton, right? 
Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. definitely underrated the fact that he can cut inside and play on the left side or he can play down through the middle. So I think he's definitely a very versatile player that, like you said, doesn't really get talked about all that much. But because he's, he's kind of just – yeah, because he's playing on Everton, but he is a guy that you kind of have to just be aware of where he is at all times when he's on the pitch because he's somebody who's so creative that he might not necessarily score, but he can set somebody up in a better position and they can go ahead and score the goal. So I think, yeah, he's definitely going to be dangerous in this one. This championship is going to be of the teams that are known to choke. So that's very true. Both these teams love to choke. So it's going to see who could do a better choke job out of these two teams. But what's funny is that they all that both these teams in their road to the final had so many opportunities to choke the opportunity to even be here. So I mean, like the fact that either that we got this matchup in itself is kind of crazy because especially with Brazil, they almost kind of gave it away. Not going to lie. Yeah, and I mean, Argentina, they went to penalties against Colombia, so it's interesting. Um, But, yeah, I got to go with Brazil. I got to rock with my team. Hopefully, hopefully they can get it done. They are defending champions, I believe. Yeah, I believe so. so. We'll see if they can defend their champions and if Neymar Zito and company can get the job done. Yeah, because this is going to be really fun to see. Both these tournaments have been really fun, especially, like, watching the Euros, like, there's been especially that game with Croatia and Spain that was absolutely yeah. insane, and then the game with France <laughs> as well going up against uh, what was it Austria? That was that was an insane game. Both of those games, but I think the buildup of this tournament came at a perfect time, even though it was a year delay for uh, both of these tournaments. It's going to be awesome, you know, because next year we get uh, the World Cup World as well. Cup, so. Yep. It's going to be awesome. Somehow it just worked out, you know, so I guess I just can't wait because I'm hoping that the World Cup is just as good as both these tournaments have been this year. Absolutely. It's going to be fun to watch. But that's going to wrap up this episode of The Nosebleeds. Appreciate y'all listening. As always, if you guys are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, shoot us that five-star rating if you like what you heard. Write us a review if you're feeling generous. Uh, We're on social media, on Twitter, at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. On Instagram, The Nosebleeds. And on Facebook, look up The Nosebleeds podcast. Corey, any last words? Can't wait to see what happens this weekend. Copa America, Euros, NBA Finals. Game it's all going down. Sunday too. Exactly. It's all going down this weekend, man. Like this is gonna be a crazy, crazy, crazy weekend. And I cannot wait to see how it all plays out, man. So y'all we got we tuned. actually I just realized we have three finals going down this weekend. Euros, Copa America, and the NBA. What exactly. do we do to deserve this? Exactly. We must exactly. have done something good for to have this fun of a weekend. Exactly. It's gonna be fun. It's definitely gonna be fun. Absolutely. But other than that, we'll catch y'all next time. Deuces.